and I call them devils these kidney devils right this is any team truthfully I mean it's hand in heart any team who can plot and implement and take down clear at the moment I, I do think it's kidney Join myself Willow Callahan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season Gaelic football on off the ball with AIB proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship check out hashtag the toughest for more now you're welcome back so many texts coming in for instance the most recent one says penalties my arse so beat that 53106 and you'll get us at off the ball on Twitter as well so Saturday at Crow Park I think was a touch uh, pedestrian with uh, due respect to Derry's lightning start and then Sunday at Crow Park was a complete frenzy we have Enda McGinley three time All-Ireland winner with Tyrone with us manager of Antrim for two years as well stepped down this summer Enda great to have you on good to be back Joe and Billy Joe Patton, who's played for Mayo and Armagh. Hello, Billy. Hello, Joe. News this evening, if you're just tuning in, James Horn has stepped down as Mayo manager. We'll come to that in due course. But let's start with Galway against Armagh. Galway 2-21, Armagh 3-18. Galway win 4-1 on penalties. Still uh, feels somewhat strange to uh, say that sentence. Uh, Reno O'Neill with his 78-minute equaliser. We had the row, we had the sendings off, we had extra time. We had Killian McDade with his goal and his almost equally outstanding equaliser in some respects and then we had the penalties and then we have the fallout I suppose is where we are 24 hours on let's hear from two of the main protagonists before we get into this Kieran McGinney first of all speaking to the media at large here's Kieran McGinney in terms of the ending of normal time and the way that that unfolded which, which was pretty ugly and the referee having to take action how unsettling was it and what was your take on it because it, it, it looked from up in the stands like it all got a bit nasty and buggish um, listen, it's, it's not something you want to see and I suppose this year look, look at uh, look, that's two of them like, that have been in and it's, uh, it's unfortunate like, and it's uh, I always think try like those things shouldn't happen. Definitely shouldn't. But I, I think it's there's a few simple things we could do to stop it. Like they shouldn't be running together at half time. Like I know how it started, but that's thing like you know, once it starts then it can get out of control. Um it's just it's not a nice part and I, I, I wouldn't want to see it. But again then trial by social media like is a is a very poor way to go. I showed the last time but people have sat there and actually watched the video, they might have got it right. But don't players have to assume responsibility as well as adults? Is there not an onus on a player to recognise? Well, what happens if somebody pushes you? Do you push back? Well, I, I, no, but I'm just what, what would you do? In this instance? No, what would you do? In this instance? What would you do? In this instance, what would you do? I'm asking, I'm just, it's a very simple question. If somebody pushed you, would you push them back? And, and this I know, is, it's, it's a yes or no. Well, it's not. It's, it's, it is, it is. If somebody pushes you, I'm just, it's a, like, you, you can't look for headlines if you're not going to you. ask. If you're not going to ask my questions, why should I answer yours? Because I'm not here to ask, answer questions, I'm here to ask them. But, but you're like, I might not allowed to ask one. But I'm here to ask questions, I'm not here to answer them. I don't think people want to hear my opinion but, on but, it. But I, I'm asking you as a person, just a very simple question. Well, it would depend on the circumstances and it would depend, I suppose, on the lead that I was given from maybe so you, a manager or an equivalent in that situation. But, but you're saying if they're going to have to. I'm just asking you as a person. If someone pushed me? Yeah. Well, it just depends on the circumstances. It's not as cut and dried or black and white as that. But I'm asking you, right, in the context of what you saw there, and you're saying simple things could have been done. Do you use a manager say to your team, step back? Do you use a say, the manager say to your team, don't engage there? Or do you use that of to course. the authorities? Of course you do. Do not say we don't. No, I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. You, you, should, you should be one of the ones who watched the video. 
Uh, no, and I, I will. Fair play to you. To be fair, you've said your take on that is it shouldn't happen. It hasn't happened. So would you now call on the GAA to, to address the point you're making of saying we can do something simple? If everybody's treated in the same way. Do you feel you've been mistreated? No, I, every question is going to be answered with another one. I said if everybody's treated fairly, if everybody who pulls or pushes and starts something like that there, then yeah. So that's McGinney. We'll come to poor Joyce in a moment. Uh, just hearing that end in 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 and re- react to it, I wonder there if he's seen the gouge because he's quite defensive of his team and he's talking about pulling and dragging and pushing and these things happen. I I, I suspect listening to him, I'm not sure if he has seen the eye gouge at that point post match because I don't think he would condone that in any way. I suspect. I would imagine, given how those things happen and the, the shouting that'll be going down the tunnel and the communicating that'll be going down the tunnel, I would doubt if anybody wasn't aware that there was a, a an allegation at the very least of an eye gouge and that Galway were particularly upset about that. I would imagine that somewhere around the Armagh camp that that w- would have been sussed out at, the, at a fairly early stage. It's sort of a race mile when he says we've, we've, we've been, that's the second one we've been involved in. It was actually the third, obviously, yeah. that they were involved in. But I, I think very difficult for me, uh, in, in that situation, it was a bit of a the classic schmuzzle going down the tunnel, but you're you're talking about a manager that has given everything for that team for seven years, had them on the cusp of an Ireland a semi final and to lose on penalties. So I, I think it's going to be very difficult to get him to make a specific statement on a particular incident hmm. that is away from everywhere where his mind was for the previous what ninety odd minutes, if you know what I mean. So. I, I wouldn't be putting too much store in terms of whether he addressed the eye gouging or not. It certainly wasn't put to him at that stage. Mm. Uh, he was just asked to comment on, on the row and look, he, he just done the classic line of a manager. He's hardly going to throw players under the bus whenever they put in that performance for them. No, true. Here's Pork Joyce then speaking afterwards. Trailing game, to be honest, it was a good footballing game to KG to start. Um, seven points each at half time. <clears throat> and then Second half, I think we opened up a little good bit and got ahead near the end of the game, played some great football, but then lost our way. <clears throat> Something we'd addressed because we'd done the same against Mayo and Roscommon, we addressed it and we still lost our way. So um, we had the game probably won about three or four times and came back and then obviously um, the scenes have to condemn the scenes at full time. They're ugly, they shouldn't be happening, but they happened at the same time. And uh, then we lost our captain an extra time. I, just, I don't understand how to pick out one player, but we'll, we'll look at the video and see what happened there. But again, we had to take control of the game an extra time, which we did. And we showed good character and even then get a sucker punch of a goal again then in the second half of extra time. You know, it looked like we were dead and buried, but the lads showed brilliant heart, brilliant character and kept playing football, kept playing through the lines and Killian popped up with an amazing equaliser at the end. And in fairness, like my, my heart does go to Kieran McGinney and, and the Armagh team and supporters because it's, it's no way to lose a match or to play a match a quarter final. Like, like we're, we're condensing this season into six or seven you know, months, which is crazy to be honest. And like these, the, both sets of players, Galway and Armagh, have trained flat out since last December. And let's call a spade a spade. Like that's no way to lose a match. And while we take the victory, my, my heart goes out to them because they had a great colour today and great support. And it's, it's it's not the way to do it. And something the GA needs to look at because it's we're not a soccer like this. Penalties is for soccer. It's not for GA in my eyes. And a good fair play to the Armagh players and the Galway players. They took the penalties and the two keepers. But have you practiced the penalties? You say it was a lottery, but you looked like a team who were prepared for it. We've been practicing penalties since last December since we started training because I knew the way the games were going, something was going to happen. And in fairness, Shane, Rob, Damien, Matty Tierney, and Kieran Malai would have been our fifth taker. They practice them nearly every night. They take a few in Gleason most nights. So. Alright, how did you regroup at the end of all the time? Because you probably knew that 
just the possibility of red cards, given the blows you've taken. That was a very difficult time for you. Yeah. No, we did, because it, 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 we came in, like, and <coughs> I'm not saying, like, the ugly scenes, it shouldn't be happening, don't get me wrong, but, like, when, when you can't just stand back and let lads in, top out, so we tried to sort it out. In fairness to the RML management and our own management, like, we, I think we got it pulled away as quick as we could and got lads down the tunnel and get in and focus on the match. Then you, then you pick a team to go out and then you're told on the pitch just before extra time that you're down your captain. So to go and regroup again then and get Billy Mannion in for us, <coughs> in fairness to him, set up a brilliant goal, like, you know, great footballer. It's his first championship debut for Galway. What a place, what a time to make it for him and had great composure to hand the ball across to Killian for the goal. But um, look at it, we, we knew that the game wasn't lost at the same time. There was still 20 minutes to be played. And while we, it felt like a loss at full time, I think the lads regrouped well. And I just came back and said, go back playing football, just work the ball through the lines, which we did. We controlled the game, I think, in the first half of extra time very, very well. And then, obviously, the sucker punch in the second half was tough on to take. But in fairness to the lads, look, I couldn't speak high enough of them. They're exhausted in there, but it's great to win. We go home, we'll regroup and recover and see where we're at. We look at the video and choose the night and see what the crack is. Do you spend the next couple of days worrying about what you might have to appeal, who could be suspended? Because you, you might know for a couple of days, then you might have to appeal it. We can't focus on something we don't know what's going to happen. So all I know is that we're playing Derry. Uh, Saturday week, so we'll, we'll get everybody ready but for that. Would you plan right now if you knew who was available? Do you might well, well, as of now, everyone's available. Bear Sean Kelly, but we look at that as well. Horry, you mentioned about, like, the, on the video that we saw, the only thing we saw of Sean Kelly was he was reacted quite furiously to what was seen a very clear eye gouge sure uh, on Damien Comer. <coughs> um, so you're telling me there was an eye gouge then? Was well, it? It, well, that's what it appeared to be on Damien Comer by a non playing uh, panel member. Okay, I wish that will be dealt with. I, I, I didn't see Frank, honest to God. I don't, I don't know, it was the far side of the pitch. I came over, I seen. Scuff was going on to try to pull our lads away and that was it all I'd done. Hmm. Pork Joyce there, speaking to the media afterwards. We're here with Billy Joe Padden and Andrew McGinley. I mean, I wondered if McGinley had seen the eye gouge. Certainly there, Billy Joe, poor Joyce. He may have heard about it. You suspect he did hear about it from aggrieved players, but he doesn't seem to have seen it at that stage either. So who knows what the managers, in fairness, have seen or haven't seen at full time when they're doing these interviews. It's difficult. I mean, it was probably, that's why McGinley's instinct was potentially to jump in and defend his players there. Yes, and I doubt very much that they'd have seen it. I, I agree with Inda. There would have been so much talk about it in 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 the walking into the dressing rooms that you would have uh, heard that there may be something possible like that, or possibly happened like that. Um, but they would not have seen it. So you, you, when you when you don't see these things and you're not absolutely sure, you don't want to comment on them, particularly when you're dealing with opposition and, and other players like that. But I suppose from his point of view, I, I think he was very fair-minded in it and he was looking ahead to the next game. Mm. It, I think both managers said there's something they didn't want to see. I think we, we're all in agreement with that, that the GA needs to step up and do something about it because it's, it's a disgrace really what's happening at the minute. And managers may point to going back through the video and you look at it forensically and there might only be two or three players that do something that can be uh, punished. But at the same time, when you have 35 people, backroom staff, all getting involved in, 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 a, in an incident like that, it, it has to be eradicated from the game. And I, I, I see the roots of it in a lot of the stuff that happens on the game when the ball is in play. Too much contact uh, man-on-man contact when the ball is not there man-on-man contact when the ball is not even in play and to me I see that the, as the seed that grows into that frustration and if you think of in the last couple of minutes of normal time ju- and just as an example Shane Walsh pinned James Morgan to the ground 
you know, unnecessarily for, for that. And that's I'm not picking out Shane and anything. That's a tactical decision. It's not it's not him losing his head. And you would see that from various counties over the years. And that's what has to be taken out of the game. And I think you 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 reduce that amount of contact. I think you reduce the likelihood of having those sort of altercations and melees mm. at the end of games where players are totally frustrated. And actually, just to extend that point a moment, if you're ultra cynical, you would suggest that Shane Walsh wasn't unaware that Morgan was on a yellow and figured, well, a yellow apiece here isn't a bad deal for me. Like, referees potentially need to get involved there, recognise what's happening and maybe just give Shane Walsh a yellow because it did look like he was the main offender in that particular instant. I, if, if asked me, <laughs> I've, I've seen Morgan play and, and I know the type of player he is and, and I would know Shane Walsh uh, brave and well too. Uh, Shane Walsh would have taken quite a bit of punishment over that game mm-hmm. and he was down out round midfield as well so if the, the issue like the, the black card supposed to be there in terms of contact off the ball you're not supposed to be doing that but but it happens and, and very little seems to come of it uh, I didn't see what started the one with wrestling on the ground but it would always be a wee bit suspicious whenever some somebody like Morgan with the reputation that he carries and somebody like Walsh is wrestling on the ground I would always be be, be querying who, who the guilty party is there but uh, I, I'd agree with Billy Joe in terms of that there's plenty of contact going on but this talk about something they have to eradicate this from the game and they need to make an example for me all of that is rubbish there's no point be it the eye gouging or be it the melee suddenly high horse time let's let's make an example the amount of times I've seen somebody saying or tweeting the these boys need to make an example of it the GA has to learn and stop trying to make an example. They, they made an example of Throne at the start of the year for getting involved in the league. Four boys sent off. Uh, all of a sudden, a headlock was the worst possible thing you could do in the game. Ethan Rafferty pulled Comer down in a headlock yesterday. Wasn't even dealt with at all. Uh, the, head, the sending off for Armagh, on one side you could call it as legitimate, but again, there was two similar shoulders to heads in the Kerry game, and they weren't dealt with at all. So there is so much inconsistency in the rules. Yeah. Then they go and try and make an example out of somebody. The lawyers will absolutely drive a bus through the holes in the arguments and the lack of consistency there. So unless the GA get their entire disciplinary process tightened up and fit for purpose, making trying to make an example of this, it ain't going to stand up. And that's why where McGinney's coming from is it going to be consistent across the board. If a shoulder to the head is a sending off offence. Well, then it should be a sending off offence throughout the year and not on one particular incident. If a headlock is a sending off offence, then it should be a sending off offence. We've seen eye gouges before in the game. This is not the first time. Were they massively dealt with? And were the, did, did the suspensions hold up? I would very much doubt it. We've seen Lees constantly. Have they been maybe some suspensions, maybe not? The only big suspensions that seem to hand up are the ones that are handed down to club footballers. Mm. County footballers continually get off. So this thing about making an example about this incident, we'll wait a few weeks, it'll pa- it'll calm down and yeah. there'll be another incident we'll all jump up. Oh, this needs to be made an example of to stop it happening. It will not stop happening unless the entire disciplinary process gets made fit for purpose, which at the minute we all know it's not. Mm. You sound thoroughly fed up. I, not thoroughly fed up, but 
I, like the, the gouging is terrible and we all are supposed to then come out and say how terrible it is and wring our hands and wring our hands and disgust at the melee. Look, this was such a competitive game going down the tunnel at halftime after what was an amazing game of football. Uh, like everything that happened, how Galway had to be sick the way they gifted up those goals at the end. Arma, the comeback they showed, the resilience that they showed, it was amazing. You had two teams giving it absolutely everything. Uh, there's going to be a bit of push and shoving. That's going to happen. Uh, look, if if we want a true spirit in our game, sometimes it's going to boil over. And yes, we need a disciplinary process fit for purpose. But there's no point jumping up and down and looking people hung for this one instance, there was probably about what 80 people involved in that, and one person yeah. got stepped way, way, way over the line uh, and has major questions, and I'm sure will have major questions to answer. But again, let that be dealt with. The, the issue here is that we don't have a reliable disciplinary process, and so are, have I any confidence? that this is unlikely to happen in the future or that if it did happen in the future, it could be firmly dealt with through precedent. Mm. There's just no precedent in the GA for dealing no. with any of this successfully. No. Billy Joe, I guess uh, further to your point, at every juncture here, we have uh, major issues for the GA to get on top of. So this this culture, uh, as you said, of too much contact, everything from when a substitute comes on and jogs over to his man, we know what happens. Like that is just ingrained mm. at club level, at county level right through to the, some of the inconsistencies. For instance, David Goff sent off four Tyrone players in February of this year for contributing to a melee. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that didn't stand up. I mean, that was, that was, that, that was suitably uh, torn apart by the um, appeals process. And no, then... No, those suspensions held at that time. Oh, did they hold? Sorry, they I thought... They did amazingly hold, yep. Oh, they, so they back off. Okay, they back off on that on that that point excuse me sorry I'm mistaken there but then uh, contributing to Malie uh, seems to be the reason for Sean Kelly and Aidan Nugent to have been picked out yesterday but like how you can differentiate between Kelly and Nugent and the other 25 odd players there is, is, is difficult to grasp but the other of course the overarching issue uh, and and with the acknowledgement of the Goff uh, for Tyrone players is and I saw this example even given in the Irish Independent today Billy Joe so back in April you have Reno O'Neill he is suspended by the Competitions Control Committee. He is then unsuspended by the Central Hearings Committee. Then you have the Central Hearings Committee upholding the suspensions of Campbell, Mackin and Nugent, but then they were subsequently quashed by the Central Appeals Committee. It's like alphabet soup here. You know, it, it is it is like a laughing stock, the GA Disciplinary Committee. And there are now so many precedents established that, I mean, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say me and you, without much legal training, would have a fair stab at, at finding a way to get somebody off. So, look, at every juncture, that was a long-winded point, but at every juncture, there's no consistency and then the overarching disciplinary system is in ruins at this stage. It sure is. I, I think Inda has said it. We need to look at it from an overarching point of view. It's it's not something that will be addressed before the end of this championship. Um, they have to go ahead and look at this last incident and deal with it as they see fit and the county boards will, will make their appeals if, if they deem necessary. I think a situation, you mentioned all those, that alphabet soup, I, I think you've got to structure it, streamline it, that you maybe have a commissioner looking after discipline with a, with a, a committee and you have a, a small appeals process and that's it. And you, you tighten it that way. And, and and that's only my suggestion. But to having these so many different avenues where you can appeal to, to decisions like that is it's nonsensical. It's not not workable when you think consider all the, the 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 efforts different county boards use with video into into it. So I, I think that needs to be tightened up. I suppose just my initial points on the culture. I think you're you're mentioning it, Joe, in that 
all these incidents grappling, whether you're throwing somebody to the ground, have context. And I, I really think that the instigator, the people that start the initial contact, you know, have to be have to be picked out. I, I know that Ethan Rafferty threw Damien Comer to the ground, but Damien Comer tried to stop him taking a quick kick out. That's that's what's happening. Those things, those are the things that that shouldn't happen. And it's all getting escalated. And, and I, I see that as, as a problem that needs to be sorted out in the long term mm. in the way the game is played. What I'd, what I'd love to see, I think it'd be a simple first step uh, and it would give the referees much more confidence is that before referees have to submit the report that them and their entire official team get to sit down in a room with whatever video footage is available of that match and they get to look at the whole game, look at the, all the incidences and then they submit their final formal report and for me that then should be gospel uh, and any suspension should be made off that it should be made with great strength and the appeals process should be really limited to certain things off that. But certainly the referees getting a chance to review everything on video first and then submitting the report would, would be a good first step. Mm. One last point, I suppose, and then we should talk about the football because it was so thrilling. But on the red cards logic, Billy Joe, Sean Kelly of Galway, who looked to be largely peacemaker and then Aidan Nugent our mad joint captain both sent off to the extent people were initially wondering did they just take two of the captains as, as a kind of settlement here uh, but this business of just saying well we have to send someone off and almost almost I don't know what David Coldrick's thinking but almost picking two at random uh, that's not satisfactory either I mean we're, we're going back to McHale and Coyle days here of just picking two so should he have sent none off I wonder Maybe, considering that everyone goes back to 15 minutes, 15 minutes again for the start of the extra time anyway. So uh, it was it was pointless. Some people, I, I, I didn't study the video forensically. Some people said that Kelly was involved in the, the, the start. Kelly and Nugent were involved in the start of it. And maybe that's why they were picked out as much as that. But I suppose when people go through all the different camera angles, they, they might be able to decipher it. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, what impact did it have, did it have really? Yeah, uh, so you mentioned Enda. It's Armagh's third of this season. So where does responsibility lay when it comes to McGinney? I I remember a few years ago, McGinney he, he mentioned a couple of things in terms of just he he looked at the top teams and he seen how they could play the game on the edge and and every top team uh, that wins stuff plays the game on the edge and I think he felt that Armagh were a wee bit off that, both in terms of that and the game management. So I've, I have no doubt that they have developed a more hardened edge that in terms of the the uh, fact that they've had three rows, it is a coincidence that certainly doesn't look brilliant. But two of them were against Ulster neighbours. It's fairly claustrophobic up here at the best of times. Uh, so whether it's something that, that they have to answer in terms of the group, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but it's certainly a, a coincidence, the fact that previous two uh, uh, Saturday, none, none of the previous Malays had earned them really any suspensions, uh, I think is, is something that sort of meant that there was no reason for them not to really get involved again. Uh, but again, you look at the Malay, and, and I have only really watched it once or twice, there's not a huge amount happening. Like it, it no. wasn't a, a free for all. It was generally pushing and shoving. And as I say, one fella crossing well below or well beyond any line of, of decency, really. Uh, so again, I wouldn't be, there was other Malays this year. Uh, there will be other Malays as well. Uh, it is something we will say it again and again and again. It shouldn't be in the game. Uh, but again, unless there, there's an effective sanction 
then you, you can't just suddenly start making it up as as you go along. Yeah. What's your sense, Billy Joe, now of, uh, well, look, for Armagh, it's less important, but uh, of the Galway players. So if, if they're looking over and their captain sent off for uh, getting involved in a, in a belief, <laughs> uh, really all of them could potentially be in trouble. Are you anticipating a deluge here of GA suspensions for several Galway players? No, and I'm not. I'm not so sure that. Well, look, they have to go through the video and they have to analyze. And if there's something that's way out of order, well, then you you have to be punished for that. But if it's a case of you can't, uh, I suppose, sanction or, or, or suspend somebody now for contributing to Malik, because as Inda said, there could have been 80 people involved in that, and it'd be very uh, tough on those goal players looking forward to an All Ireland semi final to get called out on something like that. Yeah. So I, I don't think there will be any big suspicions and I, uh, suspensions, and I hope there there is not, unless there is something that is you know that a striking offence or, or something like that that is absolutely clear. I, I don't expect big uh, suspensions for Galway and I don't think they should get them. I think this is something that a line has to be drawn. This is the, the disciplinary system has to be detailed and there kind of has to be nearly a, nearly a, a start again next mm. season. It's worth, as we segue into the match itself, to remember a few things. It was one of the most thrilling sporting spectacles you'll see. And as you both said, the scenes were a bit ugly for sure. But aside from the eye gouge, I don't know if there was anything overly egregious when you consider the context of this incredible contest the game thrilling I mean and, uh, like take your pick between Reno Neal and his equaliser and Killian McDade and his equaliser I like uh, some of the feats we saw in this game were just extraordinary yeah it was it was stunning it was one of those rare occasions where the game lived up and and surpassed our pretty high expectations for it and it started off as a wee bit of a slow burner goal goalie for me were a wee bit off color at the start the forwards weren't really clicking i thought defensively throughout the day i thought goalie put in a, a huge performance uh, but then whenever Galway got, got going and, and got into the lead. Uh, they were really in the driving seat and, and played some excellent football. Uh, and then, look, they were, what, six points up going in, into injury time. The the majority of the drama and what we remember of the drama was in a fairly confined period on that. Galway were the better were the better team for the majority of the game. And then just all hell broke loose in that uh, previously assured Galway backline the the high balls they will be having nightmares about that and I'm pretty sure they whilst they they would be a possession based team they'll be pretty tempted to let the odd ball in the high but uh, from a from a neutral's point of view looking at it it had everything huge hits huge physicality the athleticism the quality of the scores and and a lot of your big name players from both sides were actually kept relatively quiet like Walsh and Comer were kept relatively quiet Rain O'Neill kept relatively quiet but just all over the pits it was all the players standing up and it was a, it was a hell of a spectacle Because for Galway in particular Billy Joe all season people have said well Shane Walsh Comer Conroy in midfield they're their three best players they're generally playing well and that's the reason Galway are doing well whereas as Enda said it was almost a supporting cast uh, Tierney in the half forward line Finnerty inside McDade I mentioned with 1-1 an extra time they really were the winning of this game. That would be almost, in some respects, the most satisfying aspect for Galway. 
For sure, Joe. I would have been one of the ones that had said that if you can keep the, the big three quiet, then you have a great chance of being Galway. But what you what you saw was that I suppose the coming of age maybe of some of those Galway players, particularly Rob Rob Finnerty and getting four scores, could have had another uh, you know really clinical finish. And Matthew Tierney was really good in the early stages of the game. Two excellent points in the first half, um, and, and McDade's performance in in extra time was just heroic. Uh, but you know, best player in the field kept going longer than anyone else. Uh, that that'll be absolutely huge for Galway, and it'll be a, a big consideration for Derry when you when you look at it. Because before you, you everyone would have kind of thought that if you can keep Comer and um, Conroy and Walsh quiet, you've a really good chance of beating them. I, I think as well the the key factor for Galway, which was pleasing for them, is I don't think they started the game that well. No. Open to fifteen minutes, uh, Armagh had some joy. Armagh were able to play some of that expansive long kick pass and football, and had were able to get the ball into full forward line. But then I think. You saw them adapt, and that's the sign of a good team. And they were able to adapt early, you know, midway through that first half. And Kier Malloy and Patrick Kelly, players like that, getting tucked in defensive, making them harder to break down, winning the ball back and using it well. Um, that was probably one of the most important aspects of the game because it gave them that foothold. They went on and were the much better team in the second half. But as Porrick Joyce said himself a few moments ago, they really threw it away against Mayo. They let Roscommon back into the game. And they, they, they did kind of throw it away in that last stage, last stages. And I, you know, those balls went in around the box. That's something that he said they have addressed. So something they've obviously talked about, but they haven't dealt with them any better. There's still a bit of indecision around what's happening in that full back line. You saw for one of the balls that went in, I think Comer got in the way of the goalkeeper and those three players in around the line. So they just need to define roles when there's high balls coming in like that. Because even if you look down the other end, a lot of our mass supporters with their heart, their heart in their mouth with uh, Ethan Rafferty coming out. But at least the Armagh defence knew, well, this is the plan. Ethan is coming for everything and everyone else picks up the brakes. Whereas Galway just need to provide that clarity in their full back right. when dealing so, with so, high ball. So, so that's the key, defined roles with a high ball. I think so. I think that's the way. Yeah, when you're when you're playing full back there and you have a goalkeeper, you need to know if the goalkeeper is going to come or he's not. If he's not going to come, you have to go for it with all you have, and he's there to pick up the pieces. But there can be no indecision, and it just looked like there was. And and sometimes there's no right or wrong answer. Some goalkeepers are not comfortable coming six and seven yards off their line to win a ball, and that's fine. But at least the defenders should know that that they have to go and get it and stay out of his space. If the goalkeeper's staying on the line, there is no need for an outfield player to be back there on the line beside him. You have to be out there attacking the ball and picking it up. Mm. I think as well. In terms of one of the goals, Gleason, there were so many of them, I can't remember. He, he was too eager to get his hand pass away. Yeah. I think it was the Turbert goal. Had two, he had a second or two to on it, while he was on his knees to have a look around. He had a goal player beside him, and he learned from that bit of experience. Mm. Yeah, it was probably that. It was probably that goal was really the only one that was really purely Gleason's fault, and he, he's getting a bit of a hard time. But it was so in that Rafferty, in terms of from a goalkeeper's point of view, Rafferty sort of broke the rules that would be traditionally assigned to goalkeeper in terms of he was coming for everything. He was just coming flying, and some of them he missed. Uh, Comer had a great chance for a goal in the first half where Rafferty came out, fl- flew past it, and it looks dangerous. But again, as Billy Joe says, if you know the keeper's at, then all them defenders know they have to pull in behind. For for Galway's first, or for Armagh's first goal from the high ball, Gleason got no protection at all. And like a pretty basic rule is if, if you're sort of waiting for your goalie to get it inside the six-yard box, nobody should get a run at your goalkeeper well Armagh got continuous runs at, at Gleeson and then by the time that the third one came in all confidence was gone and and there was just so much indecision there uh, so it's certainly something that, that they're going to have to address but no matter what like it, it's always a wry smile whenever I see people oh they don't like a high ball there is no team in the country has ever liked a high ball landing in, in their penalty box mm. it is always nervy because it can always go somewhere. 
But whenever you've conceded three in the previous game in, in such a dramatic finish, uh, well, then your confidence is going to be shot. And no matter what, there is going to be those wee doubts still there come, come semi-final. So many extraordinary moments. Even the Reno Neal equaliser. I mean, it's so notable. Stefan Campbell took a quick free and the referee brought it back. So even Campbell, it didn't strike him as eminently kickable. And then Reno Neal must have cleared the crossbar by about 15 metres, I think, Billy Joe. Yeah, and he has that ability. I, I think maybe when he looks back, he probably didn't have his best game. He was well marshaled. But when you see him play in club games, and even I've seen him play for Armagh, he can strike a ball, you know, 60 yards with with confidence. I, I don't know what that distance was. That was six or seven meters outside the outside the 45 at an angle as well. And as you said, it looked to have more on it. He's he's a really he's a beautiful striker of the ball. He's one of these free takers. Sometimes I'd be curious. He takes the odd free out of his hands when he is so consistent and has such range from the ground that you would think that like like Brian Sheehan used to play for for Kerry. The distance they have is remarkable, yeah. and that they should continue to do that. But uh, it shows the skill level he has. It shows the nerve he has. With he has that mentality as a free taker um, it was outstanding yeah on McDade's equaliser then so he scores the goal finishes that so calmly and, and such a brilliant run I mean it was phenomenal as he's about to pull the trigger for the equalising point end I thought don't uh, don't yeah, shoot absolutely. they're on the run going away from goal. recycle it oh what a point it, it, it looked it looked a rash it looked, you, you sort of were looking at the clock and said right they have time to keep working this keep working it get the right man on the ball and then, like, they're probably still about at least 40, 50 seconds on the clock at least. And you always knew that the referee wouldn't blow it up if they were in, a, in an imminent and a well-building attack. So either maybe play for your free, wait for a free, you'll get one slightly easier in that regard. Next thing, he just got the ball in the hand and had a shot. And I amazed, whenever he had a shot, I thought, right, well, he must think that it's a half-decent chance and that they would have still have time even if he does miss. But he just nailed it. It, it swung to Park Joyce on the sideline. Yeah. And I think he had the two hands almost going up to his head. It was one of those classic ones you'd be thinking, what are you shooting from? Ah, great score. <laughs> you know, you're sort of changing. You're, you're changing halfway. But to have the confidence to go and do that, he, he had a strong game anyway. But that, that was as good a score. Kevin Cassidy's obviously a brilliant score for Donegal many years ago against Kildare. Just that last gasp player taking on the initiative backing themselves with complete confidence and you only score a point like that if you strike that ball with huge confidence yeah. so yeah massive massive score and you'll do well to see a better one this summer. yeah amazing amazing on uh, the penalties then we had James Dunahoo with us yesterday and Billy Joe he just made the observation hadn't struck me but when he said it I thought oh that is kind of interesting every single penalty players opened out their body no one whipped it across the other side which was just a coincidence and law of averages but that was kind of a uh, he noted uh, that which was kind of interesting Porg Joyce said there in the audio we played they've practiced penalties every single night since December the GA world quite split on penalties Joyce said even as the winning manager it's no way to finish a GA match if we're all accepting Billy Joe that the calendar is the calendar and there had to be a result yesterday what's the best way to end the game I don't know. I, I don't know what's the best way. I, I would agree with Porrick Joyce. I, I think that it's not really a, a, a Gaelic football skill, kicking a penalty in, in its own right. I think I don't like I don't like the, the penalty shootout in rugby either, to be honest. So I don't know. Is that a, a good a good solution? Um, I, I, I think that for the sake of what, two or three more weeks at quarterfinal and semifinal stage, you know, could you make room for, for a replay? I think that would be fair at, at this stage of the year. Um, particularly in the big showpieces in Crow Park so I, I'm afraid Joe I can't find any other better solution for you Yeah it's tricky there's a certain irony and that like especially at this stage of the season 
Uh, a replay, uh, by definition, suggests we've had a close run game and these are rarities in uh, the GEA calendar. We want more of them and we're doing away with them. So, look, we are prisoners of the calendar now. Do you have a ready-made solution to end the game if we had to end the game? We're prisoners to the calendar, but there's teams this year, they've, they've played about two or else three games from the end of March. Yeah. So we're in a condensed calendar and yet there is huge largesse, uh, pretty much again it's because we are shoehorning the provincial championships and they are there and they cannot be done away with uh, I suppose I, I'm in the camp even for Ulster and it's, it'd be a big issue up here obviously uh, but I just don't see how you can have a, such unknowingly such a condensed season and yet have teams for six weeks I know it's going to be different next year when the Robin thing is in but still uh, rather the season is structured that come quarter final stage if you go to full-time level, extra-time level, and even maybe an additional five minutes, if that's still level at this stage, go to a replay. Have it organised that you can go midweek or go the following weekend or go a Thursday night or something like that there. But I think some some form of additional game. And then I, I think bottom line, it may still have to end up in penalties. I don't think we'll ever be treated to a Dublin v Meath scenario of, of, of the four matches uh, because the calendar won't allow for that, so I think it, and it's probably unfair supporters and the cost and everything else nowadays. Mm. Uh, but I think everybody would like at least one replay built in before. But I think we still have to have a finish of it. Uh, and whilst it's unfair, well, when two teams are completely tied, there there is no right way to to finish that. So I think you still have to have some way of deciding it. Uh, and penalties does bring its own excitement and its own entertainment. It was a phenomenal spectacle yesterday yeah. in, in Crow Park. Like, and I don't know how anybody else, but I got up after watching it and I was drained. I, I felt it tough to get myself sort of wanting to watch the Kerry and Mayo game because I was just <laughs> that fatigued after watching Galway Armagh. Well, speaking of, we have other games to get to. Ender McGinley, Billy Joe Patton, staying with us. Back in one sec. Gaelic football on Off The Ball With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship Check out hashtag the toughest for more Welcome back, Jerry's texted in to say Football Championship has only caught fire and we've two weekends left Such a pity, says Jerry Well, I suspect we'll be having that conversation at the uh, end of the season I know there are there are two weekends in August when the rugby is over and the Premier League hasn't started and the GEA is I guess over as well from July 24th where there's nothing happening and uh, it all it, it just doesn't sit right I think increasingly with people as much as we want the club game to, to flourish uh, to that end we don't uh, <laughs> we don't have much time ourselves here left we're with Enda McGinley and Billy Joe Padden so we've dealt with Kerry, or, uh, Galway and Armagh James Horn has stepped down this evening. Billy Joe, I, I don't think anyone's utterly shocked at this. So uh, he's, he reached two All-Ireland finals in his first stint. He reached two All-Ireland finals in his second stint. It's been a brilliant journey. I feel very lucky to have worked with great players and people during that time. So what are we to say of James Horn and what he's contributed over the last decade to Mayo football? Well, I think that it's his contribution has been absolutely huge. I think you you wouldn't have the conversation about Mayo being involved in so many of these big games, these All Ireland finals, without James Horn. He's built this team. Um, 
he's shown a remarkable ability to bring players up to the required level and them to compete and I think when you all the players that he's coached and had a key hand in their development from maybe their younger years to being you know established high quality inter-county footballers and all the all-star awards they they have won I suppose plenty of people in other counties and in Mayo as well would say well they were never able to win the big one and that's a fact and, and no one can walk away from that whether James or the players but I think the contribution he's made to Mayo football has been immense before James Horn Mayo you know and in my time we were you know you were a very inconsistent team capable of great days capable of days where you would be well below par he added that consistency maybe that toughness as well that was needed to be consistent at that level and and continually perform in big games Um, and I just think that he's made an amazing contribution to Mayo football in some ways as a sporter disappointed for him as much as anyone Mm -hmm. else that they weren't able to win the All-Ireland you know he's probably one of the most important people in Mayo GA over the last 40 or 50 years considering what he was a great player as well yeah. and a great manager and responsible for this I suppose which has been a really really positive period in Mayo football history and still when you look at the Mayo football team I think his legacy and part of it will be is that if you go to Mayo you still see every kid is wearing a red and green jersey Mayo football is the big thing they all look forward to the Connacht Championship every summer and that's part of his legacy as Mayo manager so credit to him and um, I'd just like to thank him for all his efforts Yeah and there, there can be the reductive quip that Billy Joe referenced about well you never won so how good were you Oren was bloody good yeah, I was just thinking, like, we always talk, one of the most talked about sort of topics is the best players not to have won all Ireland. Well, Horn probably is in the best manager not to have won all Ireland. Uh, you just feel, you find it hard not to feel for him, like, what he done to go, to go toe-to-toe with the greatest side that has played the game in that Dublin team, to be the one that eventually took them down and then to end up losing, losing the Ireland final to to Tyrone that had just hit a real spike in performance. Uh, Mayo, the, the games that they've given us, the performances they've given us, their resilience has been something else. Uh, and the, a lot of the quality of the play. And uh, he probably has lacked that out-and-out star forward that, that maybe has got all our teams over over the line. And he was particularly hamstrung this, this year then with the loss of Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy. And... It was a loss. It was just hampering uh, Mayo all year, and we bit like Tron and Donegal. They they just were were a team running out of gas all year, and they eventually got got put out of their misery. But mm. uh, certainly, James Horn's contribution. There will be few managers has has done as much for the county. Yeah, for sure. Billy Joe, akin to Gooch uh, chasing Philly McMahon back in that All Ireland final. When you watch Killian O'Connor having to go back against Tom O'Sullivan, you just got a sense it was not going to be Mayo's day, and. And then that was copper fastened by the shooting in that second half period. Mayo had 49 attacks to Kerry's 41. Mayo had 32 uh, shots to Kerry's 28. Uh, there was a period where Horan got the conversion rate right up. Jeez, it went off a cliff yesterday. Yes, um, I, and I think the, the, the stats speak for themselves. Um, I think as Enda says there, particularly when you're, you know, it's, it's not ideal for Killian O'Connor to, ha- you know, a great player like Thomas Sullivan racing up the field and he, he loves to attack and is a great attacker from that position. Um, it's not the role that he would want to be playing. As Enda said, when you lose Tommy Conroy and Ryan O'Donoghue and they're not available to you, well, then everyone else on the team has to, I suppose, strain that little bit harder to try and create those scores. 
and it just was evident of, of a team that was trying to force it. Midfielders missing chances that they would normally get. You know, Mayo halfbacks usually get up and get a couple of scores, but there was misses in there from Lee Keegan and Paddy Durkin and Maddie Ruan as well, players that we know can score. And sometimes when you're just trying to do that, do that bit, too much you 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 just don't execute as well as well as you can so mayo can have no kind of no excuses about it really they just the, the conversion rate was not good enough and nowhere near close to what it would need to be but I, I think it's it's very difficult to to say that you know the loss of those players is not impactful it'd be very difficult for any county to deal with two of your best young attackers and two and really important parts of your team because they add the guile and the pace maybe in an area of the field that you don't have those options um, and it's very difficult to, to come back yeah. from that I saw Brian Sheehan end up speaking to the Irish Examiner and he said for instance you know a Derry or a Galway or an Armagh would have beaten Kerry over the weekend so yeah they got not quite got out of jail but those, those stats they are quite worrying if you're looking at the, the general flow of that game and uh, where are Kerry yeah, fun, funny. I wouldn't. I wouldn't just jump to the conclusion that, that those other teams would have beaten Kerry. That might be doing a bit of a, a, a disservice to to Mayo. Kerry uh, are all right. Kerry. Uh, bottom line, I I think they were in the difficult scenario yesterday, and even Jack O'Connor sort of for me let the cat out of the wee bag a wee bit afterwards, where he said that these these players are yearning for for a go at Dublin. Uh, and I remember being in that position. We ended up actually being caught, uh, thrown whenever we, we had our eyes on, on the next game and, and we got caught actually by Cork. Uh, but Kerry would have been very confident that they were going to beat Mayo. There was no getting away that Mayo were not in particularly good form. Kerry's worry would have been about the layoff in that four-week period, but I would imagine they would have been fairly confident they were going to manage that and should have enough uh, to, to overcome Mayo in, in that quarter final. And I think when a team has got such a big game on the horizon and maybe it was Dublin's performance wasn't fantastic either uh, sometimes it's hard to be right on it uh, and that's not disrespecting Mayo in any way it's just how the two teams were coming into the game uh, Kerry didn't play particularly well uh, defensively they're, they're, some of their players are in brilliant form like obviously O'Sullivan uh, stronger in midfield than they have been for a while. I was more impressed with them in, in midfield than I have been for a while. And up front, they, they just have serious, serious firepower uh, that, that we can see. And yes, they weren't anywhere near top gear yesterday, but uh, beating Mayo, getting through to the Ireland semi-final, like that was the toughest of, of the quarterfinals that they could have had, and they still came through it comfortably. Mm. So yes, they didn't hit top gear, but make no bones about it. They're, they're, they're looking... To, to take on the semi-final that, that's where they see themselves uh, can they switch it on that's going to be the big question Derry's obviously for me probably the form team in the country now uh, but Kerry have the potential to, to, to find that top gear yeah uh, well clock is fully against us we're not even going to get to Dublin Cork expand on Derry for us then because it's it's hard to know what to take beyond when they were 2-1 to no score up and, and sensational those first kind of 10 minutes so what do we say about Derry they, they remind me so much of of uh, our, our team, the, the throne team in 03, we were a young team coming through. We had won the Ulster title and nobody really was taking too much notice, but we were playing with an intensity and a hunger. We we destroyed Fermanagh in the quarterfinal and then we took on Kerry in the semi final and the famous day of puke football. But they are playing with a game plan that suits them perfectly. Why? Because it allows their manic intensity and manic energy levels 
full flow in the game. They are playing an unapologetic defensive strategy uh, and then they have legs and hunger to make their tackling brilliant, to get loads of turnovers. And then this sort of wild dog intensity in terms of getting forward and this out and out, the goals they took yesterday were fantastic. They are playing with a focus and intensity that, that is beyond anything else that's there in the championship. And they are a team to be to be reckoned with. Make, make no, the, the nature of them as a county, now that they've got their confidence and their swagger back, mm. they, they, they are going to be tough. And for, for Galway, it's really intriguing. Like the only way really that has been shown to take down that ultra blanket defence counter-attacking style whenever it's going well is to face it up with a similar now similar style. Donegal got critiqued in the Ulster final, but they, they played that way because they know that that's how you have to play. Even Dublin played that way to eventually take down teams that, that, that play that way. So it'll be really intriguing to see what, what Galway try to do to, to take down Derry, but make no bones about it. I think the questions are Galway's turn. Derry's going to come and do what they're going to do. Mm. Galway have to decide how, how they're going to try and take them down. Yeah, Billy Joe, in 30 seconds, if you can, I know it's unfair. Do you see Derry as favourites for all those reasons? Um, yeah, I, I agree with uh, end of sentiment. I, I think the interesting thing for me about Derry was we, against Clare, they felt they could really pressure high up the field in Crow Park and they had that confidence. Chrissy McCaig, Brendan Rogers, really high up the field at halfway at times pressing. Will they? Will Rory Gallagher be brave enough to do that against Galway? Because Galway have the players that can counterattack and hurt you as well. And at the same time, as Inda says, they could play, sit back and play their defensive game and frustrate Galway and beat them that way. Uh, so it, for me, it's it's a, how interesting in, in terms of how how aggressive Derry would be to put pressure on, on Galway. And I think that would be, make it for a great game if, if they are aggressive because that will suit Galway as well and it mightn't just be the stalemate that people are, are expecting. But either way, you can't but be impressed with Derry. Yeah, uh, lads, an amazing hour there of analysis. I mean, a I, I, hell of a thing to do an hour and we didn't get to one of the four matches on over the weekend, but there's so much to talk about. So Billy Joe Patton, thank you. Enda McGinley, appreciate it. Cheers, fellas. All the best. Our Gaelic football coverage and off the ball in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. I suspect we'll have plenty more GA across this week on the show. So we will get to some Dublin Cork talk as well. Gaelic football on Off The Ball with AIB proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship check out hashtag the toughest for more